Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Art Baseling, we explore the intersection between real estate and Art Basel, the country's biggest art festival, which happens each December in Miami and Miami Beach. Last year, the event was canceled due to COVID. This episode will be a fun riff on the topic. And with that, Alex, take us out. If you like art and like the people who like art or simply want to be around people and art, (laughs) Miami Art Basel is the place to be in December. You know, for those of you that don't know um, Art Basel and what it is, it's a for-profit, privately owned and managed international art fair staged annually in Basel, Switzerland, Miami Beach, and Hong Kong. Art Basel works in collaboration with the host city's local institutions to help grow and develop art programs. But, you know, Art Basel actually started in Basel, Switzerland in 1970 uh, by gallerists Ernst Bayeller, Trudel Berkner, and Boltz Hilt. And I'll say those three names <laughs> fast. Uh, that was the inaugural year, uh, and then it just continued to grow from there. Art Basel Miami Beach was first introduced in 2002 under the direction of Sam Keller. Uh, and that year uh, exploded. It was um, uh, over in about five days. The show attracted about 81,000 visitors in that short period of time, which was uh, an enormous success uh, for Miami. And from what I was told very early on, one of the reasons why they moved Art Basel or they created an Art Basel in Miami was to attract more Eastern collectors, collectors from the Asia Pacific region, who can come, who didn't want to travel all the way over to Basel, Switzerland, and meet halfway in Miami. So originally, the Art Basel Miami was created in order to bring art and the festivals and the collectors closer to where they lived. And then soon, uh, Art Basel Hong Kong uh, opened in 2013. And that was held at the Hong Kong Convention Center um, and has grown um, ever since. Yeah, it's certainly the biggest, I think, the most popular week in Miami and Miami Beach. I mean, New Year's Eve obviously is a big is a big draw, but I think our Basel uh, uh, supersedes it. I, this year, I think we had something like 250 galleries uh, represented, collectors from over 72 countries, 170 museum curators and and managers here uh, looking at art as well. So it's clearly the the art event in the United States uh, in North America. And uh, it is the party scene in Miami and has been for a while now. Um, I, I'm down here in Miami, so I was able to, to get a bit of a feel for it this year. And I think the combination of a perfect storm made it a zoo this year. Besides the fact you didn't have an event last year, so you had pent up demand. You've got the best weather in the country. You've got pent up demand of people wanting to travel uh, after COVID now that the vaccines are out. Um, uh, the state with the lowest cases and deaths of COVID per capita in the country right now in Florida. You got everybody coming here. You got a cold vortex going on all over the country. You had everybody coming down here and it showed. Well, the reason why there's low cases in Miami is because everyone already got COVID. (laughs) So there's that. But then, you know, look, I think it's also your point. uh, People want to be out, but also 
fashion a lot of fashion companies were here not just art and art collectors so people got a chance to wear um their you know their duds uh the 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 hottest and latest trends that they may have been um purchasing but not wearing so that's that was a lot of fun though at the same time if you're an art collector is it really about going to basel to buy or just going to basel to be seen well, that's a very good question. I know that speaking to a friend of mine who owns a gallery in New York, uh, it's to be seen as much as anything else. It's to make contacts with new artists. It's to continue to make contacts with collectors, with museum curators. Um, and they were saying that the, the, the artwork is on fire right now. I mean, every, the sales that are going on right now are crazy. Maclow, the family, the big divorce going on in New York. I think it was two weeks ago they did a sale at Sotheby's for half of the art collection that the husband and wife have to split up by court order, half of the collection sold $675 million worth of art at Sotheby's. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. People just can't get enough art. That is insane. I just, I just read that recently that uh, this art Basel in Miami, a Picasso was sold for $20 million and actually a, a Banksy was sold for $4 million. It was a Charlie Brown drawing. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I saw that, Banksy, actually. Yeah, no, the prices are through the roof. You know, it's like anything else. You go through cycles. And right now, the cycle is on the upswing. Um, I mean, you come to Mar Basel, which used to be just one convention center. Now you've got the scope tent of art. You've got Art Miami. You've got Contacts. You've got Untitled. You've got all these art shows going on and all these exhibits and uh, being set up in hotels and in and in, in fancy clubs and, 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 and in public spaces and on the beach. And you're just immersed in it, and it just becomes such a scene, and it is expanded to the to the point that any price point, any type of art, you can find it, you can uh, you can learn about it, you can meet artists here, and it's it's really become a hell of a destination. Yeah. So you just actually made a good point, right? Because at one point it started off on the beach, and then it just kind of branched out into other parts of Miami, and thus you know you got Wynwood, you got the mainland, you've you've obviously got a little bit north of Wynwood in um in little haiti and all that so it has done a real number on the city of miami not just from a real estate perspective and you know sort of where where you go what, what areas are more or less valuable design district and all that but it also has a huge impact on the economy right and so more places um, more hotels more restaurants more venues are doing more business more of the time in miami during this during this during this month no, oh, the hotels, uh, I mean, you, the word gouging comes to mind. I, I mean, I, I don't want to mean that as a, and in, in, in that kind of negative context, all these hotels who were suffering for a year, almost two years, are trying to make that money back. But the prices is through the roof. Good luck trying to find a hotel during Art Basel. Regular rooms are going for three, four, five thousand dollars a night. Suites are going for fifteen thousand dollars a night. It just, it just, the logistics are, is almost. Uh, incomprehensible. I, the traffic was out of control. I was at one one part of town where there were five parties going on on the one street. Luckily, I was going to two parties that were only a mile apart, so I didn't have to travel very much. But the logistical nightmare of just going between the art, between the parties, between the restaurants, restaurants throwing out minimums of $200 per person because they were sold out and they couldn't afford any cancellations. I mean, it, it really is, it's, it's pushing the infrastructure to its breaking point here.
Well, you know, every city needs a big event, right? I mean, New York has, you know, there are a bunch of things, you know, uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade being one of them and the, the, the fireworks being another. Uh, other cities have, like Tampa, have a Super Bowl. I, I don't see Miami having a Super Bowl <laughs> anytime Easy, <soon>. easy. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it, you know, every city has to have their big temple event. Um, and then, you know, and everyone either prepares around that or looks forward to it in order to at least supercharge the cash flow, give themselves some good business or at least a place to at least an excuse to um, to stay in town or to leave town for that matter. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, they don't even want to be around this time of year. Um, I tell you, the other the other additional layer now is, of course, this whole cryptocurrency and NFTs, which has exploded in the art world, the quote unquote cryptocurrency of the art world with these non-fungible token um, uh, representations of art of artists and giving artists a chance with the blockchain to uh, to participate more broadly in the future sales of their art in the copyright of what they've created the same way a musician gets paid anytime their song is played in any radio station anywhere in the world if you're the if you are the writer of that and you own the copyright to your songs you're going to get paid and nfts i think is, is a way for artists now to expand their that footprint of being able to be compensated for the the original creation of of, of a unique piece of art um and that's a whole other edition of people that are here bitcoin people financial people tech people that, that it's just another layer on top of the quote-unquote artistic community that has been coming here for years well you know it's, it seems as if Miami's on the frontier of all things new, right? I mean, you, you know, it seems like uh, not only did COVID and the pandemic create more of an influx of people into Miami, but it also created an influx of people into Miami who uh, are on the cutting edge of really interesting things. I mean, obviously, you got the cryptocurrency and the, there's a big crypto convention that happens now here every year. You just mentioned the NFTs, which, you know, are, are obviously um, uh, fastly growing and becoming a huge um, sort of dinner table conversation for most folks. And then you obviously have Art, uh, Art Basel, but then you also have the financial community that's coming down. You have tech startups that are both coming in from uh, California and other parts of the country in New York, but also coming in from Latin America where, where young startups are, are opening their businesses. So Miami is becoming a really interesting destination for cultural- um, Cultural technology. Cultural technology. There, there, there's a new buzzword. There you go. I was going to say cultural pioneers, right? People. Hello, trademark. Doing things that are that are relatively on the cutting edge and that are new that are impact the world in years to come. I you know I just I've been on conversations many times about things like the metaverse in places where people are using virtual currency and exchanging in virtual places, um, interacting, and and that leads obviously into the future of what potential um, public events will look like in the digital world. But it also says, you know what, Miami is a really good place to start those conversations. Why? Because it's an amazing environment. People go to Miami, feel good about themselves and all that good stuff. That it seems like a, the right mix of, of environment, weather, culture, community that makes a, a Miami a great place to, 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 to really think big. And Miami has shown that you can exhibit art in so many different ways on in so many different locations. We have everything from a convention center full of art where someone's buying a $20 million piece of art to tents on the beach, which with hundreds of galleries in them to outside installations at hotels like the Faena or in Wynwood, where the walls themselves have come alive, where the wall itself is the art, where the artists come to paint, uh, where a Banksy comes to paint and leave 
leave a piece of, of himself or herself or themselves um, for, to the community. I mean, it's a, it's a living, breathing part of Miami, this whole art, art, this whole artistic community, I think. Well, I think but you, you made a good point in the sense that there's also a lot of rediscovery with art um, and a lot of, um, I would say, reincarnation, right, <laughs> some, in some cases, because you see uh, a lot of artists are using abandoned buildings and turning those buildings into art, into art pieces. They are taking what would some people would call urban blight and painting over it and creating a mural and it actually becoming now a destination. You know, we've seen that with Wynwood Walls and the whole Wynwood area just exploded because of really the art. There's an artist that was showing in Art Basel over the past few days that she takes uh, junk, junked vehicles, so twisted metal, and puts these beautiful fabric, multicolored and bright colored fabric and weaves them through the, the, the twisted metal and then hangs them in, in galleries. I mean, it's a really interesting way of being able to reuse materials that are discarded from one industry and, and made, made popular and successful in, in other, you know, being the art industry. And, how, and it's interesting how that can be a theme or that can get hot when somebody can use plastics or acrylics or cloth. I've noticed this year that a lot of the paintings had uh, sayings on them. Um, you know, like, you got to be a bitch to be successful or, uh, you know, you got to burn brightly to shine. Uh, you have to burn to shine. Those kind of uplifting themes or, or slogans, but actually on the art itself, not 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 conveying that feeling through the art, but actually writing that out on the art. Uh, so it's interesting to, you can see when you go through, you go to different locations and different tents, you can see how themes are permeating through the art world. But I wanted to bring up an interesting topic, which is how many people are down here for the parties and to take a selfie in front of the art? And how many people are actually at, at any at any location on the spectrum, you could be buying a $300 piece of art that you like that you fall in love with versus a $20 million uh, piece of Van Gogh that you want to buy. I, and it all depends on where you are in, in life and financially and, and in your artistic journey. But I wonder how many people come down here for the parties to get together to see people they haven't seen, a destination like you mentioned. And how many are really here expanding their their knowledge and their and their love of art and are actually here to purchase, to meet artists? Because there's a lot that goes into that, right? I mean, there's the price of the art, there's the insurance, there's the transportation, there you have to have what kind of a what size do you is your apartment or your house? If you if you're going to put out a sculpture on a garden, well, you need a garden. Some people don't have a garden, so it's interesting to me the actual logistics of people who are actually trying to take some of that art and bring it into their lives permanently. Well, you know, it's a very good point that you raise, right? Because I think traditionally, when we think about art, we think about these cold, stoic museums that are quiet <laughs> and have a bunch of old people and really highly educated individuals uh, looking around and, and sort of squeezing their 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 chins and humming and hawing over how awesome the art is. Except in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they go rollerblading across the screen. But right. normally, but, I mean. <laughs> but, you know, I, but I think there's another way to, to say, well, you know, why don't we just have a party? in the art space and have champagne and have models and bottles and, and, and have a really good time, but you're doing it also in a gallery. Um, and so there's a, just a, a different exposure to art that I think um, is interesting. What I like about Basel is to say that regardless of whether or not you're there for the art, you're exposed to the art. 
and you're experiencing it. And if you take a selfie in front of the art, you may not necessarily have gone to art school or had a history with or relationship with art for that matter at the at a higher level, but yet your exposure to it just starts to introduce you to that. At the same time, all of your whatever thousand followers that are not at Art Basel that have never seen a piece of art that see you at a party now behind a piece of art are now exposed to a, to, to a piece of artwork that may never be seen by them or anyone for that matter uh, ever again. So I think there's a, there's a unique exposure that people are having to art because of events like this that are changing both the narrative and language around art, but also changing the audience and the appreciator of it. Some people, you can, now you can appreciate just putting a banana on a wall and selling it for $250,000, which is what they did two years ago. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> the world has gone bananas. Well, that brings up another interesting point. Let me ask you this. If it could only be one or the other, if there was a piece of art you could buy that it just touched you and you loved it, or a piece of art you could buy that would appreciate as an investment, and you had to buy one, which one do you buy? Because ideally you want both, but... Well, ideally you want both, for sure. But I think I, I would say the, 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 the former versus the latter, right? Because, and it, and also it depends on where you put it. If I wanted to, to put an art in my living room, piece of art, I want to make sure that it's something that I love and I want to see every day. Because I'm going to see it literally every day of my life. Um, however, if I'm thinking about investment, I probably wouldn't. And it's, it's a piece of art that may not necessarily look good or may not feel great about, but I know it's going to be worth a heck of a lot of money in the, in, in the future. I may just put it in storage right? and, and no one will ever see it until it's time for sale. So which would be I, sad. Right. Exactly. So I think that, it, you know, if you can appreciate it's like, it's like, it's like buying a beautiful couch. Uh, and I thank my grandmother for this uh, and putting a cover on it <laughs> like with those plastic covers. It's like you never really. And not letting anybody sit on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or the china that's in the cabinet and no one ever uses, but that's beautiful. And it's like, you know what? You know, I get it. It's great and all that. You want to preserve it. But you know what? Why can't you just use it and enjoy it and appreciate it? So I, I'm all for appreciating art and buying art that you love. And if it makes you a few dollars, that's great. But if it doesn't, that's great too. Yeah, I, I'm in the same camp. Um, the art, I don't really have anything that's ex expensive or high value art in terms of monetary uh, value to other people. But a lot of my art comes down from my mother owned it or my grandfather owned it or my aunt painted it, who was a very good painter. They might That might be worth something someday. But, but it has meaning for me. And when I look at it, it reminds me of the people or the place. And that's where the value is of the art. It gives you that warm feeling, takes you back, or you see something from a different angle you didn't notice before, and you appreciate the the uh, the technique that went into creating the art itself. Uh, and yeah, and if it appreciates, it appreciates. But uh, you know, I I I don't get me wrong. I wish I wish I could have a Van Gogh on the wall, <laughs> and I believe me, I would love looking at it every single day. I'd have no problem looking at the you know at the irises every single day. You know, and if, if it does appreciate more than the forty seven million that it's worth now, I'd learn to live with that. <laughs> you know, you make a good point though. Is is art inflated? I mean, I think when you look at um, the Van Goghs and sort of the masters who, who, you know, their art sells for $47 million. And then you've got um, Jeffrey Coons and his you know, inflatable balloon uh, dogs that are metallic and massive selling for $47 million. I mean, it, it really, you know, it starts to, to, to beg the question, um, is value uh, in the eye of the beholder or is value, is the value of a piece of art set by the cultural uh, market of today? or of the day, or is it 
valued in the in how old it is and just pretty much how long it's been on this earth and how long it's been appreciated by many people on this earth. So I would, I would put you know the, the Van Gogh in a category saying millions, if not billions of people over you know, centuries have appreciated his work. Uh, and yet maybe if several thousand people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people have appreciated Jeffrey Koons over a shorter period of time. The other point I want to bring up as well is I think there might be an issue of uh, inflation. I think what's happened with the with the explosion in the stock market over a pretty extended period of time now, a lot of wealth has been created, a lot of pent up demand for going out and buying and and enjoying money, enjoying your wor- your your net worth uh, has been stifled because of COVID. And I think Bitcoin and NFTs and the prices of art and boats and cars, these things are all appreciating because there's a ton of money out there, a lot of liquidity that is chasing fewer and fewer things that we decide we provide, we think are valuable and we're raising the prices. And I think there's some of that going on in the artistic world as well. Well, we'll see that. We'll see where that goes. I think that um, when we introduce NFTs and digital artists will get their um, their fair share of, of the pie, I think the pie will start to um, to get bigger and, and perhaps people will start making less, right? I mean, I think, I think one of the things about, about, um, about art in the physical world is that it's relatively scarce, right? It's, it's one of a kinds and maybe there's, there's a print, maybe there's two of a kinds and then it's, it's a tag number associated with it. And then you got... Um, and then that sort of excluded everything digital that wasn't really physical that you had to transport and store uh, and put in a well-lit, well-temperatured environment and all that stuff in terms of the care of that 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 that, that piece. Uh, and now that things are getting a little bit more digital and a little more technical and a little bit more um, um, sort of intangible, the value of which surrounds that piece of art, the work, the, the place you have to store it changes. And I think it changes the economics of it. So I think with the NFTs, with digital art, with, with the metaverse, as they call it, uh, I think we'll start seeing more art uh, in the market, maybe not flooding it as much, but changing how people value it. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see over the next you know, um, five to six years. Well, I'll tell you this, if I ever were at a point where I had a four or $5 million or $20 million painting in my house, instead of having those lights that overhang the painting from the top that light the painting, my light wouldn't be up there. My light would be a smaller light on the bottom right corner over overlooking the price I paid for the painting. <laughs> <laughs> so people could walk in and see $4.6 million. <laughs> Don't touch. <laughs> well, that's a good point, right? I mean, just, right. The value is like walking around with a price tag on your, uh, on your, uh, <laughs> I think there should be a price tag hanging from it. Yeah. Like a clothing in a store. <laughs> right. either, either you're smart or you're really not. <laughs> um, so, but that's a good point, right? Cause I think when you hang paintings, you hang paintings and there's a company in Miami called black dove that actually, uh, um, sells screens and they, they sell art. They have a, a, a NFT marketplace of which you can buy the art to go on the screen. So imagine instead of it being a canvas in your apartment, it's actually a screen, like a television set. But on that television set are visual art. Um, so the digital art that you that we talk about is actually presented digitally in your apartment, for example. And so I think there's really an interesting way of of getting really crazy and inter- and new with with present the presentation of art both in your homes and in galleries. And as it as 
digital formats get bigger and as screens get bigger and the way that you can project high fidelity images get more advanced, I think we're going to start seeing more art in the marketplace and more Banksy's perhaps, right? I mean, I think, you know, what Banksy's uh, all about is putting art in the in the world uh, and some of it being perishable, right? It just sort of, it, 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 it kills itself after a while. Um, but that's the, that's the, the, the perishability is a very interesting part of his business, of, of how he, among other things, how he shows up in the world. And I think um, we're going to start seeing a very interesting evolution of that over, you know, once again, over the next five to seven years. Yeah. I, Banksy's was, I, I just remember the one where there was some auction where there was a painting, a picture behind. And shredded. Half of it. So now, now the piece of art is half the, the picture shredded, hanging below, the, and half is still in the frame. I, I and, that, and that there is art. And, and it got resold for more money. The guy <laughs> who bought it sold it for more money, I think last year or this year or something. Well, so, you know, I, when we talk about art and hanging art and all that, I, I would imagine that people, um, you know, but think about purchasing their apartments uh, around how they're presenting their art. We had a guest some time ago who was a contractor and was talking about apartments and homes that he was building and how he, he was challenged with creating beautiful spaces to, to present art. And it's very interesting to think about how, once again, people will start to uh, think about their spaces, both public and private in their homes, around how to best display the work of art that they purchase and or and their own. Yeah, and that was uh, um, that was Walid Wahab episode. And we also had an episode, episode 42, with Doug Robinson speaking about NFTs, if anybody's interested in learning a little more about that. Um, uh, as we get close to wrapping up, I was curious, Alex, um, what kind of art or what, what artists do, do you look up to? For me, uh, I've always been painting and sculpture. I always find sculpture, especially big sculpture, impressive that they can take one block of, of, of granite or ivory and they can, you know, it's hard to make a mistake and, and you can't just kind of paint over and put the rock back kind of thing. And so for me, Michelangelo is one of my favorites because he was arguably one of the greatest sculptors of all time. And the Pope comes along and says, hey, listen, I need you to paint the ceiling in this church. Guy goes, I'm not a painter. He says, paint it anyway. It's the Sistine Chapel. It's one of the most famous paintings in the world. The guy's a sculptor. So he, the guy had a little bit of talent. I'll give him that. Nice. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know where you fall. What you? Yeah, but I, the I, reason I bring it up is because you made such a great point that art is everywhere now. It's it's, it's an image on a TV. It's a painting on a wall. It's a, a it's it's a piece of cloth that's been woven in a certain way. It's everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm more. I, I I'm more of a modern guy, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, um, sort of abstract impressionist, uh, to be to be to be perfectly um, uh, uh, specific. However, my inspiration. Uh, really started with Van Gogh. It's one of my favorite paintings is the is the mulberry tree. Um, it's really really incredible how he uses texture um, that really just comes off the page and sort of a sort of a three dimensional um, uh, painting. At the same time, um, moving into some of the modern artists, the uh, Mark Rothko, one of my favorites, the depth of color that he uses and the complexity that's in in its simplicity. So I'm a, I, I like pushing on open doors. So the simple um, to me is always the best. And then lastly, uh, Basquiat, who um, and uh, uh, who uh, is like you know sort of a juggernaut in how he came into the scene in the in the eighties. This fantastic story and um, wildly wildly impressive um, individual. 
but I, I obviously I can't afford any of that stuff. So for me, I I like to find emerging artists, love to find artists that are doing something different, that have a different perspective on the world. A really famous, uh, a fa- my, one of my favorite artists was actually a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Wyatt Gallery, and he's a photographer, and he. Um, had this series called Remnants in which he went around the world taking photos of the rebuilding uh, of cities and communities after a disaster. So he went to um, to New Orleans after Katrina. He went to um, to Southeast Asia after after the tsunami and so forth. And so the photos of of, hu- of humans, of people, of buildings, of the environment of which uh, it, it uh, comes back alive uh, after after a disaster was really fascinating to me. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, I'm. Uh, um, I like Liechtenstein. I like the uh, comic book uh, characterization of his of his prints and uh, Salvador Dali. If uh, if you ever get a chance to be at a museum and have somebody, a curator, to take you through explaining all the different things you can see on one individual Dali painting, it, you could spend an hour and a half. I mean, I, I remember I saw one in. He, he's got a uh, museum in Saint Petersburg, Florida. And in the there was a painting, and he did it of a landscape. And at that part of the world, I think it was part of the Greek islands, a club med had moved in, and he was so upset that he put uh, a club medder on a raft in the painting just to show how it was ruining the landscape <laughs> of nat of nature with the club med. In, in I, I mean, I've been I've been cooped up in, in COVID and pandemic for so long. I would I wouldn't mind a club men right about now actually but i think it's a really good point so i think that um i'd love to be able to explore maybe in a future episode we'll get a chance to talk about how um the communities uh and the artists in in fact uh, are impacted by by basel i think you know what we what we what we what we know and what we've learned over the years is that artists move to a city create um an artist community um that city becomes um uh, um, expensive and 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 overwrought with investors and collectors, and the artists can't afford to live there. They move out and they create another venue and place to live and so forth. So Miami was one of those. Obviously, New York was one of those at one point. Miami now has gotten Basel and has exploded. Uh, but where are the artists? Well, you know, let's. Let, I think we should we should explore that in a future episode. Talk about where the artists have gone um, now that Basel has come. But. Right now, Basel is the place to be. So if you have a few dollars in your pocket and a great um, penchant for interesting art and, and are just, just a curiosity for all things new, Miami is a place to be in December. Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt that the uh, the artistic scene is a very important aspect that in terms of the growth of a community and, uh, and the diversity of a community and... Um, uh, uh, and the camaraderie of a community. And I think Miami uh, has embraced that uh, in its growth as a young city, only 100 years old. Art Basel has put us on the map in terms of a red hot center of art. And uh, and I think there will be more opportunities for us to have other discussions with artists and with developers as to how uh, the integration between the artistic community and the community at large uh, leads to a better quality of life for everybody. And come on down to Miami anytime, artistic week or not, because the water is always warm. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.